Hello, hello, and Carney. You're listening to the Hub Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Holland Jr., sports writer of the Carney Hub. I'm here with my partner, the sports editor, Buck Mahoney, giving you another episode. How you doing, Buck? How you feeling? I'm doing fine this week. Had a little health problem last week, but we're back on full speed, ready to watch some Football, softball, volleyball, golf. All last week, you can barely talk. It's just, you sound like you got a frog in your throat. You've just been coughing nonstop. Yeah, coughing is not serious. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. So we're we're gonna get down to nitty gritty. Um, football season's underway. Coming off of week one, Carney High. I was at that game against Grand Island and. It was pretty much box office, just the way of you describe it, Buck. It was it was about to be a high scoring game, rivalry, battle back and forth, and then Carney High eventually got the win, thirty eight to thirty five, first win in two years, I believe. Carney Grand High lost won the last two game, last two um, showdowns, and I must say, Buck, from watching that game and rewatching it yesterday, just to see what I missed or see. Just to do a little film work of my of my own, just like how the call the coaches do. Just want to see just what I missed or what something that stood out to me, the good and the bad. The good side of it, Riley Miller looks good. Riley Miller in his first start, he looked really good. I believe he completed 30 for 20 for 177 yards, four total touchdowns, two on the ground, two in the air. So he can run it, but he also can throw it as well. And it also helps when you have his own cousin, Caden, being open most of the time, he had two touchdowns, and he really performed. And not to mention, he had that game-winning interception, which also led to the, the game-winning field goal as well. So offensive-wise, they're in a good space. They're doing pretty well. They move the ball well. Parker Wise looked good as well. He rushed for 80 yards. They move the ball offensively as well. On the defensive side, those guys can fly around. Don't let the score fool you now. Don't let the 35 points fool you now. I'm just wanted to say that out loud. Carney's defense did flew around. They flew around from all over the place. They were making plays. Uh, they were they definitely take the pursue pursue well because everyone was getting to the getting to the ball. And you can't help but collect six turnovers. That also helps as well. I can't name a team that could record six turnovers and win, and lose a game. I've never heard that. Carney Catholic was able to execute getting the turnovers that led to the victory as well. A uh, couple guys that really stood out, DeAndre D- Dugway, he forced a fumble. Chris Dudenhofer looked well as well. He he had a couple um, turnovers he set up for himself. Uh, and Caden Miller, as I mentioned, he, he also made that game-winning interception, as I mentioned earlier. So after breaking that down, Buck, what are your thoughts on Carney High football team after – after I break it down for you. Well, first of all, that was a much higher scoring game than what I expected. It's probably a higher scoring game than Carney High and Grand Island have played in a long, long time. Usually, 21 points will win a Carney High Grand Island game. So, much higher scoring than what I expected. I Nothing there really changed my opinion to either team. I think Carney High is going to be better than people think. They'll pick up six wins pretty easily. It's funny that you mention it. Is I just remember when we last talked about Carney High, 
previewing this season that Grand Island is one of those games they got to have that will help to build momentum for them going to, going to the next games they got going against those Metro guys in o- Omaha. The next game is against Omaha Burke, and they're coming off a brutal defeat against Bellevue West, which we're going to see later on. So this is just one of those games that you got to have, got to win, just to help see where the direction the season is going to end for these guys. And it looks like they're going in a positive direction. I'll just say that. When you talk about Omaha Burke getting um, beat by uh, Bellevue West, that's going to happen to a lot of teams this year. Uh, <laughs> Bellevue West, I think, is on a mission. They're very talented. Burke's still probably pretty good. Uh, going on the road in the Metro, that'll be a challenge for Kearney High. Long road trip. We know that the Metro teams don't do well when they come out here, but uh, Carney's has been able to do fairly successfully that road trip to the Metro, get get wins, but it's always a challenge. Sure thing. Also got a chance to speak to Coach Cool before before um, we came earlier today, and he was just talking about all his takeaways of the win against Grand Island. He broke down about. Um, Omaha Burke, so they're a little bit early on in the process, but obviously the one person that's really stand out the most is obviously Devon Jackson, a guy who's one of the top players in the state. He's getting recruited by top tier Power Five conference talent. Um, Arizona State's one of them. University of Miami, they're on him as well. Um, list goes on and on. I'm not sure if Nebraska is already on him, but I don't even know he's even considering Nebraska. So, don't shade on them, but um, it looks like there's other options for Devon. But having a guy like him is a tough game plan. And I talked to Coach Cool um, before before we started the episode, and this is what he had to say. Do you have a, like, a specific uh, game plan with um, going against a guy like Devon Jackson, being that he's probably the guy they're going to run towards, especially on the defensive side that I know – Offense going to have their eye on him. Do you share like any ideas of what you're going to do against him? Yeah, I think the key with a guy like that, Division One talent, uh, he's an inside linebacker, so you're going to have to finagle some things where you not only have to get him with one guy, but you're going to probably block him with two guys. And then um, I think the biggest thing offensively, they did a great job of moving around. Sometimes he's the inside slot, sometimes he's the outside receiver, sometimes he's motioning, sometimes he's on jet sweep. So they're going to do a great job of trying to confuse our defense on where he's at. And then once we eyeball him, they have other weapons to go with him. So uh, we'll have our hands full if we get our eyes in the wrong spot. But uh, there's no doubt about it. We'll do some wrinkles uh, to attack him just a little bit. But they have enough uh, other guys that uh, that can hurt us also. That was Coach Cool breaking down about this season and their Game against Omaha Burke was scheduled for Friday night at 7 at Omaha Burke. That is definitely going to be a challenge for Carney High. Obviously, like I mentioned, Devon Jackson, they got a game plan him. Offensively, of course, you got to figure out where is he lined up because he, he's lined up everywhere. Well, inside, outside linebacker, he's fast, he's a track athlete. That's probably the first time I've seen him during state track meet, and obviously he was the one to stand out. What, what would you say would be the plan for Carney High going against a caliber talent like Devon Jackson? Carney's always been successful talented players, keeping them away from the ball or keeping the ball away from them, keeping them limited as far as touches, as far as yards. Brandon and his staff always done a good job of that. One thing I like about Brandon Cool, 
not only because of his name. The last name Cole is, it's probably one of my favorite names of coaches I've interviewed so far. He's cool as a fan, and just like his last name, and he's very confident and like what he's seen from Carney High. Still a lot of things need to work on, but hey, I'm not the one who's going to be the one criticize them or not going to single out any player. They're Carney High's in a starting in the right direction, and we'll see how they do against Omaha Burke. I'm moving on. If Coach Cool is confident, I'm confident. <laughs> true, true, true. Moving on. Other people I got a chance to talk to was UNK. UNK football's opening night is on Thursday at Cope Stadium at Foster Field. They take on Missouri Southern. And after talking to Josh Land and even got a chance to talk to TJ Davis, those guys seem very confident about not only about this game itself, but also uh, the season as well. Just Josh Lynn continuing, continuing to build that program to a winning culture. They have improved every year to the 2019 season is where we see the potential when they went 7-5. and five. And then the 2020 season, that COVID year, they still went 2-0. So I got a chance to speak to Coach Lynn about building that winning program, what he's looking forward to this season and season coming up and Missouri Southern. This is what he had to say. So I'm here with Josh Lynn, head coach of the UNK football team. Coach, how are you doing? I'm great, man. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, football season is around the corner. I know you're excited. The, the, I'm sure the football team are ecstatic. That just what has been just going on in the minds with you guys so far as you get ready for Thursday? Well, I mean, the number one focus is the, the Lions from Missouri Southern. I think, too, all fall camp, it's just been the opportunity to get back and play a normal season after last year, you know, only getting to play two games. And, uh, you know, we've got a lot of young men coming back that probably, you know, they could have graduated or moved on with life. However, they decided to come back and play another season for the Lopers. And so it's uh, it's exciting to coach young men like that and uh, – and not, not only those guys, but uh, the rest of the group, uh, the, the younger group that we had, had brought in as well. How great is to have those um, those players to get another eligibility to play at least one more year? Uh, and um, how much does it help as far as depth-wise or just personnel-wise or just getting those guys coming back? Sure. I mean, it's great. I mean, it's, uh, you know, sometimes older football players are definitely the players you want to be playing with. You know, a young team sometimes scares you a little bit. Um, a veteran team um, that's – ran your offense for multiple years or your defense for multiple years. Um, it really benefits you as coaches uh, in, in regards to not having to coach the same thing over and over again. And uh, it's just, it's good to have those guys back. A few years back when you just got hired and just looking looking at um, the direction of the football programs now, it was just something that you kind of planned out that little by little, year after year, this team's going to continue to improve to now just being uh, being in contention for the MIA title? You know, you always want it to go that way. And you have this uh, vision in your mind and, you know, and, hey, we're going to do this this year and do this the following year and do, you know, and then move on and move on. And, and some, a lot of times, too, in any college world of sports, it doesn't happen that way. It, it normally takes a lot longer than what you expect. Sure. Um, however, I am pleased with the progress of this football team since we've got here and, this group of young men that we got coming back to really doing something that we had never done here before, and that's continuing a, you know, a winning tradition, and you know, competing for bigger and better things when, when it relates to conference and nationally. What is something that we're going to see differently this year, just compared to the last couple of years? Is this something that kind of you sure say, um, pick up where you left off, or is this, or is this um, uh, 
whole different mindset. No, I mean, I think good football teams continually do, do what they do. And uh, good football teams have an identity, and I believe we have an identity now um, when it comes to offense and defense. Um, you know, some new things that you can see is maybe personnel-wise. Um, you know, we got we got a new, you know, pretty much a kind of a new defensive line. Um, we're going to see a lot more players in there play defensive line as opposed to just maybe three or four. Um, we got, you know, we got new linebacker. We got one new linebacker in there uh, replacing Sal Silvio. Um, who was a three-year starter for us. I mean, that's new. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but for the most part, we're going to do what we do. And, uh, you know, we're going to run the football and we're going to, um, you know, hopefully play good defense and control the clock and uh, um, play local football. That was Josh Lynn, UNK head coach. It's definitely going to be a, it's going to be an interesting year for Coach Lynn and the Lopers. Uh, some of the takeaways of just speaking with him is that, like I said, they're, they're on the come up and, he believes in this little culture called the rise. I think that's the Correct. that's the hashtag, and it's pretty much that's what they've been doing since he's got here. They've been on the rise. Went from three and eight to seven to five. I mean, two and zero. Oh. Who who knows if they play a full year? They could probably they probably could have been contenders or even win the MIAA. But now this now going to this season. There's definitely high expectations from all over, and it starts with the quarterback, T.J. Davis, which you say might be the best quarterback you've seen. Best com- option, quarterback. option quarterback since Tommy, Tommy Frazier. Frazier. Good to clarify well, that. Yeah let's, yeah, let's make it clear, best option quarterback we've seen since Tommy Frazier. I even brought that up to T.J. Davis when I spoke to him, and he was a little, he was a little flattered, but even getting a chance to speak to T.J., which we're going to bring in, bring in in a minute tj is a very humble kid he's not about himself even though the offense is built around him and he's going to be the primary ball carrier but he also made a point that the offense doesn't move he's only he's only the pinnacle of how the offense runs and it's leading to his offensive line that blocks for him the running backs and wide receivers that also be the extra blockers for him and all TJ gotta do is put on the show just based on how the offense move. So this is what TJ Davis had to say about his expectations, his excitement about this year, and what what you and K Carney fans should expect for this year. TJ, I'm I know you just been hungry for getting back on that field after the last year, going only playing two games and kind of pick it up with what I saw from the season before, finishing 7-5, first round record of Josh Lynch, just how you've been feeling going into this season? That's a lot of excitement, especially around the community. We're we're excited as a team. That's all I can say. Um, the first game, they got the other team, got a new coaching staff. We feel like They feel like they got something to prove. And like Coach Lynn said, we feel like we're at that point in the program where we just got to keep keep doing our job and keep executing, especially as an offense, speaking on an off- offensive uh, standpoint. We came a long way, man. Just especially the, the coach has just been putting us in the right position and allow us to do what we were doing. When you first came to UNK and Coach Lynn and the staff were just recruiting you and probably was telling you about the, the direction the football program is heading and trying to build that winning culture. A couple of years later now, going to your junior year, they're literally um, – Living that expectation, you can say, is that something that you would envision? And now, with that, what the expectation remain higher than has ever been? Um, 
I want to say, I say he did live up to the expectation. He always preached the rise, and he's still preaching now. The rise is one of those things that you don't know until you become a part of. Um, I feel like they definitely gave me opportunity to be a part of the rise, and I took that with a full, full advantage. And and I talked to my parents, and they led me in the right direction with this. But uh, I definitely say UNK is probably one of the best things that ever happened to me. Uh, thanks, Coach Land and coaching staff for even putting time in and investing in me. And I truly, I'm truly thankful for that. Why do you feel like this was the best thing that ever happened to you? Oh, uh, man. Honestly, if I know, like, if I didn't play football or come here, who knows where, what college I would have been at, or what type of things would have turned out. But this type of offense I love and I, that I like to run. So, and they definitely put the ball in my hands and tell me, basically, I'm, as a quarterback, you're in control of the offense. So I'm just trying to put the guys in the right position to make plays. Who would you consider to be a breakout year for you? Since you mentioned that you didn't really consider it as a, a breakout year that 2019 season. What would you consider, what would you best describe of a breakout season for you? A breakout season for me is a breakout season for the team. If we go undefeated, I'll say that's a breakout season. That was TJ Davis. TJ Davis, he's he's definitely a humble kid, but definitely going to be excited to watch. This will be the first time I'm going to see him play, but... Buck, you've seen him in the last couple of years, and you're just definitely excited of when he's healthy. He He's definitely going to put on a show for all the Lopers fans, don't you think? He'll be the main reason to come to the games. There's no <laughs> doubt. And I think he'll bring – I think there's enough talk about TJ that he'll bring in some people. That we'll have some pretty good crowds for UNK football this year. So going back to what Josh Lynn, you also would mention about – Strength of schedule. UNK is uh, was voted fourth in MIAA. For, fourth by the coaches, fifth by the media. And you just said off the air that that's pretty good for even for division division the two. The MIAA or even is M- the toughest conference in Division two, without a doubt. Absolutely, and I just remember that Coach Lynn was saying that the schedule is very tough when guys against going teams like Pittsburgh State. That's going to be a good one. And then you got other teams like Southwest Missouri. Northwest. Northwest Missouri. I'm sorry. I'm still remembering all the yes. names here. Fort Hay State is another another good one. And they're going to play at Fort Hay State, I believe, as well. So, I, th- I think the Lopers play at all the contenders this year. I don't think any of them yeah. are at home. Uh, Central Missouri will be on the road, I believe. Central Oklahoma, Northwest. And, yeah, most, they- most of the contenders are, are, are on the road. They're going to be tested for sure, and we'll see how UNK goes, and let's see where they are. They they made it this far. I don't think the Lopers are, have any reason to slow down. Looking forward to see how they do this season. Buck, we're in for a treat. Everyone in Carney's in for a treat. We didn't bring up Carney Catholic. We mentioned Carney High, but we didn't Carney Catholic. Purposely, of course. In the studio, we have the man himself. Rashawn Harvey is here with us. Carney Catholic head football coach already off to a good start, beating Wood River Shelton fifty-two to twelve, and he got those guys in line, no doubt about it. And let me first say this: when I first met Coach Harvey, down to earth guy, but obviously he's a Florida guy like myself. That that's just something that I just ha- we just have straight up conversation about Florida, South Florida in general, everything from that matter. That I could tell when interviewing him, I could even hear the language in his voice that he's from South Florida, no doubt about it. So, Coach Harvey, um, 
Welcome to the show. You actually are our first live guest on our podcast. Before we get into, get into square things about your team, what brought you to Nebraska in the first place? I mean, you're a former UNK guy. Um, you play on the defensive line. Just tell me what, what drew you to UNK? Uh, like, like Buck just said, football. I was recruited by um, assistant coach at the time, and he went on to be a head coach at UNK, Darrell Morris. I recruited me. Um, my connection uh, with him throughout the recruiting process is that he is also from Florida. You know, he's from the west coast of Florida, uh, the Tampa area. So that was my connection. That kind of drew me uh, to come here. Somebody from Florida lived in Nebraska. Went to, he went to school at Northwest Missouri State and started coaching at UNK. So that got me here um, to Nebraska and uh, at UNK. Also funny that you mentioned about it is – Usually guys like us or guys like any player from Florida who's living in a, a different area that you're not used to, a um, little bit uncomfortable in the first time, and then after they graduate, they usually go back. You stayed. That usually doesn't happen for certain players that come from the South or even from other specific cities or even major cities from that matter to come to a little town like Kearney. You stayed in. Were there opportunities there at the time after you graduated? Well, I was kind of, I was kind of forced to stay initially when I got dropped off. True story. When I, my dad, stepmom, cousins, they all road tripped up here to drop me off, and my dad and stepmom looked at Claire Boroff, who was the head coach at the time when they were getting ready to leave. Uh, they looked at Coach Boroff, they looked at Coach Renner, looked at Coach Morris, and they said, if he doesn't make it here, don't send him home. Send him straight to the army, and they turned and walked away. True story. Ooh. Because they didn't want, they wanted me to succeed. They didn't want me to come back, be in an environment that I was in. They didn't want me to have a, a way to get out. They wanted me to stay here and succeed. So stay here, earn a college degree, middle grades education science and social sciences. Um, along the way, uh, you know, you always meet someone. If you stay around, you probably met someone. So I met my wife in, in college. She's from Minden, Nebraska. And so we, we at this point, have decided to settle here in Carnegie, Nebraska. Coach, I'm sure you have story for days about your time in UNK and many others, but we only got a little bit of time, a little bit of wriggle room here. So before we talk about Carney Catholic, we were just talking about UNK football and the direction they were going, building that winning culture on the come up. And looks like Josh Lennon is doing pretty well. What are your thoughts about UNK football and the direction they're going? I think they're going in a great direction. Coach Land came in, and Coach Land coaches football and, and builds uh, young men. His his whole staff, that's what they do. Um, so <laughs> I'm jokingly saying this. Some people are going to take it the wrong way, but he's not out around, you know, kissing babies and all that stuff. Coach Land is coaching football and uh, building the character of his team and uh, the staff. Is, him and the staff have done a great job with that, um, not just on the football field with promoting to those young men. You got to do well in the classroom, in the community, those things. And you can see that that, that program, as he says, the rise, it's, it's on the rise. That's the fact that you send your guys to UNK, and they're going to perform when playing under Josh Lynn as well. So we're hearing a lot of good things about some of your former guys doing pretty well for themselves. Moving on to talk about this season. We lost a lot of marquee guys, including Hyrick Carver, who's now at Nebraska. You know, also, form some of your guys are at UNK right now, um, and other other schools as well. And got a whole new group. Brett Mahoney at quarterback. He looked pretty good um, against Wood River. Riley Reeser, I see what he rushed for two hundred twenty-two yards. Is what I saw. 
looked, he looked pretty good. And what is there something different about this team and what is something that you just continue to continue to build and on the expectations? Number one, we got the same offense and defensive system. So the kids were very they're very familiar with what, what we do. Um, second thing is we were ahead in a majority of our games last year, which equals those young men, even though people see them as starters now, they played in a lot of games last year. Brett Mahoney been starting for us since he was a since he's been a freshman. He's been starting football, basketball, everything he does. He's been <laughs> been starting that. And uh, Riley Greaser got a lot of work as a backup running back, but he started at uh, line at start in a sense he ended up being the starter at, at linebacker for us uh, because you know at a small school everybody plays both ways. You got to find a place to give your kids some rest at times. So Kale sure. Conrad got a lot of rest on the defensive side where Riley Greaser played a lot. And a lot of other guys like Jaden Sire and those guys, they they got to play a lot of reps. Um, and just, again, we we bring back three starting offensive linemen and defensive linemen in a sense. So um, that's been a great uh, plus for us. Uh, and then the guys that filled in this year, they had some playing time, played a lot of JV games. Probably last year was the first year we, we actually got a lot of, even with COVID, we got a lot of JV games mm-hmm. uh, in last year, which, which helped our kids develop into the players they are are today. So, you know, just just being familiar with what we do, getting a lot of playing time last year, putting in some work this summer, not just in the weight room, but getting together um, themselves outside uh, of the school um, helped us out and helped us with a great start this season. Let's talk about Brett Mahoney real quick. I just remember him. You put in your questionnaire, and you even mentioned during media day that he is sneaky, athletic on the football course. And I'm sure everyone is asking, so what does that even mean? Being that Brett Mahoney is an is an athletically gifted kid, from everyone knows him that he's a good basketball star. But what do you mean when you when you say he's sneaky, athletic? Well, I probably because I see Brett a lot, not just in the athletic phase. If you saw Brett Mahoney just walking around. And just talking to Brett, you wouldn't think Brett is the athlete that he is. So that's why we joke and say he's kind of sneaky athletic. But when he gets on the field, like, for instance, football, you know, he doesn't look like he's moving that fast. He doesn't look like he can he can make cuts that he does. He doesn't look like he's going to be an aggressive runner. But out there, uh, I joke and say he's got the best stiff arm in the state. Uh, I'm watching what he did in the Auburn game uh, last playoff season. Um, but just what he can do when he's out there, I mean, just some things you don't have to teach him. Um, when he played receiver for us, you know, you don't have to tell Brett to go high point a ball. That's equivalent to going to get a rebound. You know, he he, he does everything great. And he and even this last game, he got us in some plays on the sideline. I'm honestly, I'm like, what, what just happened? Well, that's not the play that we call. Well, he saw something in the audible. So he's sneaky athletic and, he, and he's secret. Sneaky cerebral when it comes to football also. Sneaky athletic, but when he's on the field, there's nothing sneaking about it because he is make he is making plays from all over, from being the guy who knows the system, being that he played all multiple positions, wide receiver, H back, and it was just a good a good adjustment for him just to get in, just to play the quarterback position, just playing behind him, don't you think? Yeah, and then you know, obviously he didn't get a lot of reps at quarterback. Uh, for us, but he understands what we want to do. You know, if you if you, if you go watch the history of Carnegie, everybody thinks we want to sling the ball and throw it around all over the place. But uh, Brett, if you ask Brett, why were we successful last year? Most people don't realize we probably we ran the ball more than we threw the ball last year, 
and Brett understands that we want to take what the defense gives us in our in our style and our philosophy for offense. So that goes back to him being, you know, cerebral enough and smart enough to say, hey, this is what we want to this is what we want to do, and I'm gonna buy into the game plan. And uh, Brett's done a great job with that. Even when he didn't play quarterback, he understood his role because he's played he's played wide out, wing, tight end, H back. He's done a lot of things for us, um, uh, which has benefited him. Um, also, he's getting recruited as a football and a basketball student athlete. So, uh, all around great young man. Also, what can't he do? Mm, I don't know. We don't want to find out. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I just I just gotta just throw that out there. That's Buck's favorite player. I just, he was just, just. I'm still mad he gave up baseball. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe maybe one of these times we can invite him and he can tell himself why he gave up baseball. <laughs> tell him in his face. He he already told me why, but I don't want to throw him on blast. But he can tell you. He can tell Buck himself why. I've already asked him why. We've talked about it. Oh boy, but next game is against Gothenburg. They're coming off a a close game, but this but they lost to Kozad twenty to seventeen. But what is something that stood out to you um, just watching Gothenburg? Well, we've been playing Gothenburg for a long time, and Gothenburg um, is a physical football team. They're aggressive. Uh, obviously, they take the mentality of their, their head coach and their coaching staff, and they play hard. I mean, they are, they're disciplined in what they do. Um, they, they always have they, – for some reason, they're like us. They always got a great kicker uh, on their team. They always have length at the defensive end position, and they always got a good, good fullback uh, in, their, in their system that they run a two-bag beer, but uh, we know what we're going to get from Gothenburg, and that's a hard-nosed football team. Uh, the good thing is that we got them early. You never want to play Gothenburg late because they progressively get better. Each year that I've been involved with Carnegie Catholic, you play Gothenburg late, you know, they're 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 hitting on all cylinders. You want to catch them when they're kind of developing and, and getting into mode, but luckily we got them early, um, and that, that proved true last year. I believe they were old. I think they came off a loss last year. They were 0-1. We played them. They started 0-2, and, and they ended up – I think they ended up a playoff team last year. First right yeah, they were a playoff team last year. So that's why you want to catch them early because they'll, they'll, they'll get better. Um, but um, but all around, great, good offense, defense, and special teams when it comes to Gothenburg. Does that sound familiar, Buck? Yeah. You start, start off rocky, but then you got better at – as the games got going, it kind of reminds me of another team, your counterpart, Carney High. Kind of started off slow, sluggish, but then made it to the playoff and take out Bellevue West, the number one team. So, one thing just caught in my mind, but that, that kind of just, that's the first thing when you say, off to a shaky start, but they they, they still be a, a team that you probably might see later on. Well, they're going to get better. There's no doubt in my mind about Gothenburg. But as long as they don't get better than we play. <laughs> of course, of course. Anything else you want to say about them, Gothenburg? Uh, we, we just got to know where this will be our first road test. Uh, obviously, second game of the year, it'll be their first home game. So we just got to be prepared. You know, first road game, sometimes with, you get on a bus, not a long trip, 50 minute trip for, for us there one way. Um, but um, but they'll be, we tell our kids we got to weather the storm when you first, that first road game, because they're going to be all hyped up, ready to go in their first home game. Just weather storm, we'll be, get through the first quarter, we'll be, we'll be fine. Back to back yep. as well. Yep. Back to back as well. You got Gothenburg this week, and then St. Paul the next week. Right. Um, a lot of other caliber games. Um, also another 
team in your schedule that kind of stood out, the Thursday night game against Broken Bow. First of all, how did that schedule came along that you got scheduled for a Thursday night? And you even said that Broken Bow could be, could be, uh, we could be like a, I wouldn't say a trap game, but something that would be interesting, being that they're big up front, as you mentioned. Um, what would it something about Broken Bow and um, having it on a Thursday game? Well, I think I believe it. It's a Thursday game because in the state of Nebraska, when you get your two-year schedule, um, <laughs> you, the AD, and a couple of other coaches, you're getting on the phone calling the officials, and the officials crew, five, six guys, they may have two or three guys on the phone. What I, can, I believe it came down to is that uh, officiating crew got double booked for the same night. So we got to figure out a night. And so since they booked the official, I believe we needed to move it to a Thursday night game. So that's why – why it's a Thursday, um, but as for Broken Bow themselves, the team, uh, I think they're going. I think they're going to be very good. I haven't seen any film on them uh, so far, but for what they what they do, obviously they got a new head coach last year, new system, um, but they 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 ran it well. Um, they, I can't believe, I remember who oh, they took out Kozad at the end of the year uh, last year because again that was a team that was progressively getting better. Yes, they lost the the Landon Duda. Uh, from their team, but they got a lot of, re- of their linemen returning. And for what they for what they do offensively, they need those guys. They got some road graders on their on their offensive defensive line. So uh, and what they do, uh, they're gonna be they're gonna be tough. And uh, they, whoever's gonna play them each week, they're they're in for a battle. And so I believe Ovalala played them week one after they won thirty to six. I don't know how good Ovalala is, uh, but uh, but I know I know Broken Bow is gonna be pretty dang good when we play them. Absolutely, absolutely. One last question I wanted to bring up to you is: I've been I've been going to your practices a few times, and you stay on those guys. You stay on them, and first of all, in my mind is that being a guy coach from Florida, you're you're too nice compared to what the what the guys back down south of how they will get on those guys. One thing about it, but obviously the biggest concern was the depth. You got forty five guys. Uh, one one player goes down, you gotta have to rely on the freshmen and sophomores who's very little experience, and they're gonna be thrown right in the right in the pit of the fire in the den of the lions. Just just tell me how you just tell me for people who are who might not understand understand um your coaching style. Just how do you stay on your guys of just keeping them prepared, even if you're a, doesn't matter if you're a starter or you're a reserve. It, it doesn't matter how high you are on the depth chart. You you can your name can get called at any time. It's just our situation. I've learned quickly that you you're at a small school in Nebraska, C one or C two. Depends on where you are in that in the depth of C one and C two. Like we're a low we're in the low numbers of of C one. And you know your numbers. We're not gonna have sixty, sixty five kids out. And so our young men have to understand, you know, just just because of who we are, the school we are, and the numbers we have in the school. You have to be prepared to play at all times. Yes, freshmen, we would rather not put 170, say, let's say 145-pound freshmen against, for example, Broken Bowl's 240-pound lineman. But when you coach at a small school, you don't control um, who comes out. So I've jokingly said some people think we go out and find people. We don't. If we did, I, I would be way. finding more linemen than anything. But anyway, that's a whole other topic. Throw that out there. Um, but they understand. They got to understand that we have who we have, and we have the depth that we have. You know, and you have to be ready at all times because 
we're not getting another 30 kids to come out for football. So you have to prepare like you're going to play each and every Friday night. So we tell our JV young men, you can't prepare to play on Mondays. You have to prepare to play on Friday nights because at any given moment, something can happen to someone. They say you went from third on the depth chart to second. Then you can be second to first, and you have to prepare because we're at a small school and we're going to need you. And even when we get up in games, we can't put you in there if you don't know it. Our young men know that if you don't know it, you're a liability to yourself and you're a liability to someone else. And we make sure we tell the parents that at the, at the parent meeting. Okay? So we, they understand that you have to learn what we're doing here. You have to engage in summer strength and conditioning. You got to engage in all year round strength conditioning in your in your PE classes. So you just can't show up to play this game and think you're going to get out there. You're going to get yourself hurt or somebody else hurt. You have to prepare. So we've kind of ingrained in them. That's the process. You know, as, you know, Nick Saban, you know, made famous for you several years ago, commit to the process. Well, there's a process. It's part of our culture, belief, behavior, experience. And you got to engage in everything that we're doing. So our young men know that they got to be prepared. And just like some of our freshmen didn't think they were going to play in the first game of their freshman year this past Friday night because we were up in the game. We, we, we you know, we're going to be aware of who we have on the field and say, hey, we need to get those kids off. And we need to get some other kids on to give them experience because we never know when we're going to need them. What's that? What's that mentality you got this year? What crest for? Oh, we got a crest, crest, crest for respect. Crest for respect. What? Where did that phrase came from? And um, and how, and why did you brought it up there on Garden Academy? That that kind of brought up between our our young men at our school that are, that are part of our football program because you know we if you look at us in our history we've been. Probably more semifinal games than people don't think that we have. You know, in the last what six, seven years, we've been in a lot of semifinal games. Well, that's not the goal to get to the semifinal game. Sure, the goal is to go get to the championship game and win the championship. And so, we, if, if our kids feel disrespected at times, and they've talked about, hey, we left off. Well, dang, we, we're we're made to the state semifinal, and we don't have one defensive all state guy. All right, you know, you know, again, the coaches, we realize how that how that goes, but the young men want to be um, respected and, and basically have some accolades. All right, everybody wants to look for their name, okay, but people probably have the mentality, oh, they just throw the ball around. Oh, we had four or five shutouts last year. We got some good defensive players. So our young men realize that, and I tell them, if you, if you, if you want the respect that you believe you've earned, we're not going to get it until you win a state championship. Because you're always, we're always going to be out. They're good enough to make it to the semifinals, but they can't get over the hump. They can't get to the top. So hey, if you want to, you want to get the respect that you want. You got to crest. If you want, let's get to the top. Let's get to the the top of the mountain. Let's get to the top of the wave because that's what the crest is. That's for respect. That's a, that's a good mentor. Anything else you like to say before we let you go, Coach? Yeah, we're just excited to be playing football right now, and just hope uh, everything doesn't get back to where it was last year. <laughs> And uh, we just want to have um, a healthy season for, for each and every team, not just ours. It'd be great to have another uh, repeat of uh, what happened in Kearney, but to the next level where both teams in the state, in the city, make it to the state championship. Both teams win the state championship. So it was an exciting time in Kearney last year. We want to duplicate, it, duplicate that plus once, get to the top. So crest for both teams.
All right, there you have it. That was Rashawn Harvey, head football coach of Carney Catholic. Thanks for coming in, Coach. Thanks for having us. That was Coach Harvey of Carney Catholic. That was a fun little conversation. And thank you all for listening to the Hub Sports Podcast. I'm Peter Holland, and this is Buck Mahoney. We are signing off, and we'll see you next week.